Grace to you and peace from God our Heavenly Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We look forward to his coming and we look forward to his coming again during this Advent season. The words for our consideration are these words that are within our gospel reading for today. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barns. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. So far, our text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. By them, you exhort us with good news. We pray today that through these words you would strengthen us in our faith, that you would set us apart from this dying world for yourself, and that you would prepare our hearts for the return of your Son. Sanctify us by the truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Fellow redeemed in Christ, <clears throat> When I was a boy, my grandfather used to warn me about my laziness. My mom is snickering right now. He used to warn me a lot. I wasn't very good about doing my chores, and he used to tell me that I was going to end up being a ditch digger. See, he had been in construction all his life. And I guess to him, ditch digging was the lowest paid, heaviest lifting, most monotonous, dirtiest job on the construction site. In this morning's reading, crowds of blue-collar working people and white-collar workers and military professionals came to John. And this made me think about all the different jobs that people find themselves doing over the course of their lives. I guess you can divide up jobs by how financially successful the people are who do them. Lawyers and doctors tend to be more well-paid than fast food employees, for example. You can divide up jobs by how dirty they are. Farmers tend to get dirtier as they work than computer programmers. Although if you know some computer programmers, maybe I'm wrong about this. 
This morning, Jesus has something different for us to consider. Through John, he reminds us that jobs are to be divided up not on the basis of money or prestige or really any earthly obvious measurement. John answers the repeated question that will be our theme this morning. What then shall we do? The background to this question is, is given in our, our text this morning. The forerunner, John the baptizer, he had been doing his work out in the wilderness of Judea and people came from all over the land, including Jerusalem. They came out to be baptized by him. But many of them came with a, a misguided attitude in their hearts. Many of them thought that John's baptism would be like another trophy, a worthwhile good work that would quietly make them feel more at ease about their worth in God's eyes and in the sight of their fellow Jews. But John was having nothing of that idea. God enabled him to see the truth of the matter and love demanded that he preach. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the, roots of the, the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. If he hadn't preached this way that day, many of those people would have walked away and not seen their spiritual condition before the Lord. The crowds were stunned. They were stunned by John's direct assault on their religious beliefs and their culture. They'd always thought themselves to be upstanding people, descended from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they had the word of God. They were on the right track as far as they were concerned and doing as God had commanded. They even developed laws to prevent them from even getting close to breaking the commandments. But all the while, they were breaking the commandments. They always thought that they were chosen and that God could not do without them. Today, if we're to rightly understand John's answer to this question, what then shall we do? We have to be well and truly confronted by God through his word. The words coming out of this poor preacher's mouth. You and I must be brought to see the dreadful sinful condition that we're in. We come here on Sunday morning thinking that we are in good with God, that our confirmations and our church memberships, our good doctrine, our pious worship mean that we're on the right track with God. We think of ourselves as chosen, a righteous band. And just as with the Jews, there are elements of truth in all of this. But look into your heart this morning. 
Ponder your motives. See the weakness there that so easily falls to that temptation that overcame those people that came out to see John that day. Think about your charity toward those who know you know and your charity toward strangers. Are we like the people who passed by the wounded man on the road in the parable of the Good Samaritan? Think about why you put in so many hours working for the church. Think about why you do not come to church to participate in the work. Do we deserve to be called a brood of vipers because our hearts are filled with poisonous lies, even the lies we tell ourselves? John preaches to you so that you will recognize your sin, so that I will recognize my sin, the coldness of my heart, the apathy and laziness that's there, and the depression and the anxiety and the worry that sometimes overcomes. Every bit of us, every bit of that old sinful nature of ours is turned some other direction than the direction that God would have us go. And our ears are often deaf to what he has to say, even though our mouths proclaim loudly that we follow him. When this preaching has cut to the quick, when you realize that there is, there's never been anything about you that has attracted God's love or his attention, when you realize that your thoughts and your words and your actions really are sinful, really are ugly and abhorrent in the sight of the living God, then you come with the right question. What shall we do? What then shall we do? John has an answer for you. To the crowds, John said, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. To the hated tax collectors, he answered that question also. Collect no more than you are authorized to do. To the Roman soldiers, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. At first, it sounds like these are a lot of things that we have to do and not what we have been doing. But that's not quite the right read here. Jesus was saying, uh, John rather, was saying that you do not need to do anything holy looking. You do not need to appear to be right in God's sight. You actually need to be holy and right in his sight. You need to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus preached that on the in the Sermon on the Mount. The thought that John shared with them was premised on something entirely different from what the Jews and the tax collectors and the soldiers had been thinking. It was a new direction. Look what verse 18 says. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. The part that we do not see is the part that divides these people from others. 
the good news. John did acknowledge that God's law is right, and it must be obeyed. But he also acknowledged the people's utter inability to obey the Lord properly. And he knew and understood this. He sympathized with them. He knew that his Lord, out of great love for us, while we were yet sinners, would come to save us, to do what we couldn't do. Jesus was coming to keep the law perfectly, difficult as that was. And he did not make a big deal about how he went about this. Quietly and humbly, Jesus obeyed God for the right reasons. And quietly and humbly, he made the sacrifice for us because God loves us even though we don't deserve it. That's what grace is. Not something that has to be doled out piecemeal, but the attitude of God's loving heart toward us. Jesus forgave their sins. Not because these people repented. Not because we repent. No, Jesus accomplished the gospel and he preached the law to us so that we would believe him and trust him and follow him from the heart freely and fully and joyfully. Notice what Jesus preached. Notice that even from this early point in his ministry, when he had not yet made his appearance known, notice that through John, he even made use of baptism. The baptisms of the tax collectors are mentioned here, and we must not leave out that mighty way that God enters into our lives to give us faith and save us, because that's the normal way that God has appointed for us to receive his good news. And that gift is unmistakably outside of us. It's not something that we do. It's something God does to us through the hands of other people. Baptized into Christ and forgiven through the gospel, we're newly minted people. We're created in Christ's image to do good works, which God has picked out for us to do in advance. So now in the peace of forgiveness, let us obey the Lord, not out of that Jewish thought of slavish obedience to the rule-making God, but out of real thanksgiving in our hearts for God's goodness toward us when we didn't even deserve it. Look at those sins that still lurk in your hearts. See them and confess them to yourself and to God. He is quick to forgive, he says, even when you find it hard to forgive yourselves. And listen to him. He's very serious. He's so serious that he made this blessed sacrament for us. He has real skin in the game. His flesh and blood are there for the forgiveness of all your sins. That's what he says. Rejoice in that peace of forgiveness. And then see what the Lord has given you to do. Notice that Jesus didn't divide up the people by jobs, but by the invisible condition of their hearts. The penitent people in the crowd were given loving things to do. 
while they continued their lives. Those that didn't hear Jesus, they just went on doing their jobs as before. The penitent tax collectors were given loving things to do within their jobs. And just think of how this must have struck Levi, who was later named Matthew, who became the apostle. He was a tax collector. <laughs> and notice that the penitent soldiers were given loving things to do while they continued in their jobs. And they were Gentiles. Of course, there are jobs where the nature of the job is sinful right from the start. There's no place there for the penitent. But for the rest, the Lord is reminding us to continue in the workaday world of the vocations that he's given us. But don't continue impenitent. Believe, repent, and the peace of forgiveness is yours, whether you're a father, mother, doctor, or ditch digger. Continue knowing that God loves you, not for who you are, but for who he is and what he is changing you to be. For his spirit works through his words and sacraments to slowly pare away that old sinful nature so that when you enter eternity, when the Lord Jesus appears to you on that last day, you will be as he is, perfect, human, glorious, beloved child of God. This is the spirit that we want to ask the question with, what then shall I do? And the answer is God's. And it's simply this, be mine forever. You are my own dear child. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto everlasting life. Amen.